Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today. Six months after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions targeted Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors all key to the country's already struggling economy. The bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia. We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican government. Breaking news out of Pittsburgh, the man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial because he's facing up 24 counts. In the final seconds before the Boeing 737 MAX crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed. You've now entered the House of Mystery. Crime, conspiracy, history, and science. With your hosts, Hal Warren, Mike Brown, Julie Saab, Michael Butterfield, Dr. Joseph Usinski, and Michael Hawley. Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Here's Johnny. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery. And I'm Al Warren at the controls. And our co-host today is uh, David Martinos. I'm cutting out three names. I'm only doing two. <laughs> That's fine. That works. You know, serial killers have three names, not not, do. not radio right. hosts. Come on. You're outing me. Yeah, well, we've been doing that a lot this week, it sounds like. I know, right? Boy, I don't even know what's going on. <clears throat> I'm, you know, it must be that Bill Gates shot that I've got. Now I'm, you know, it's taking control. He's, he's controlling you from, yeah. from afar. Yeah, and he's following me around. <laughs> he couldn't do that on my phone. but uh, Well, you know, speaking of crimes and uh, crime fiction and true crime, all that stuff, we've got a great author here. Um, we've got W.A. Winter on the line. Thank you for being here. Uh, nice, uh, nice to be here, Alan. I appreciate uh, your call. 
So, incidentally, yeah. I- incidentally, I, I my fiction uh, is written under the name W. A. Winter. Uh, my real name is William Swanson, and those of you who are interested in true crime uh, will find my books under William Swanson. I just wanted to uh, differentiate between the fiction and nonfiction. Uh, plus, I kind of get a kick out of uh, having a pen name, so <laughs> truth be told. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, but why, so why do you do that then? Why did you separate it not only with the types of books, but use a pen name for fiction? Well, because as a, I, I've been a journalist for, for more than 50 years, and uh, uh, I've always been, and, and I, write, I write a lot of fi- fi- feature stuff, long-form feature stuff. And uh, I've always been uh, been sensitive to people thinking that I'm making things up, that I'm fictionalizing uh, the, the the facts. And so, you know, just to to further separate uh, in people's minds to the extent they're thinking about it uh, between my fiction and nonfiction, it seemed uh, appropriate to to uh, to go with a, a pen name for the fiction. Yeah, you know, I've thought about that myself, because I, I, I've done all true crime, and I've never done a fiction. Um, but I'm also scared to write fiction, so <laughs> I, I haven't gone that way. But I always thought that I'd use a different name. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Well, I'm not I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who does that. I mean, other people do that, and it, uh, uh, I, I think there is a good reason to do that. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing worse for a journalist than to have someone suggest that uh, that he's making things up or that he's uh, that he's coloring things uh, for the sake of a good story. But but that's something you're going to always fight, don't you think? It's something I'm always seeing. Um, if someone that doesn't like what you write, um, that seems to be the trend, especially these last ten years, is to is to attack the person that's writing, you know, the journalist, and saying, well, obviously that's bought and paid for, or, or you know, what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's better yeah. to put you yeah. down than to actually talk about the facts. I think that happens a lot. Hmm. Well, what made you go from true crime and being a journalist and doing kind of a fact-based law enforcement and that sort of writing and then go into doing fiction. Well, uh, I've I've always been a reader. Uh, I've always I've always enjoyed stories, loved narrative. And as a as a kid, I would I would read both of the Minneapolis, Minneapolis like most cities have two newspapers in those days, and and I would read both of them every day. And I was I was particularly interested. Uh, by by the crime stories, uh, the fictional ones. Dick Tracy, uh, I love the Dick Tracy comic strip. Uh, but I was also I was always really interested in some of these stories, such as the the ones I've written about, that created a stir and and created a narrative that went on and on for months and then sometimes years. Uh, to me, that was that was almost like reading a good novel. I mean, it was almost Dickensian, some of these stories that I was reading serialized in the paper. And of course, Dickens wrote, he serialized his stories too, so there's nothing new about that. But there was just that 
I was just intrigued by the storytelling aspect, and it seemed as though crime stories and, and stories involving the police and the courts um, offered all kinds of dramatic possibilities and some really fascinating characters, uh, many of whom I got to know as a journalist, uh, the real ones, and uh, many of whom I've had the pleasure of creating uh, in my fiction, some based on real people and some just popping uh, out of the ether uh, as I've needed them. It's a kind of a remarkable process, actually, but that's a different story. Hmm. Well, that's it. that is interesting, but I, I guess with fiction, too, you can always decide how it's going to end. You, you, you can make things happen. And you can, well, you can, can give answers. I know in my last true crime book, one of the reviewers just from a paper just sent me some questions, and, and I almost thought, well, these are silly questions, actually, because it was like, well, why did this person do that? And why did this, you know, and mm -hmm. a lot of those things. And it's like, well, I'm not writing fiction. I can only tell you what they did. I can try and figure yeah. out why they did it. But, yeah. I, you know, other than that, it's speculation type thing. It was, um, but in fiction, you can actually give those answers. Well, you can yes, you can give those answers, and and I've I've never been wild about uh, uh, fiction that has uh, neat endings, uh, you know, uh, the old bogus word closure that uh, that I hate and I don't think applies to most crime scenes, despite uh, crime stories, despite uh, what people say. Uh, I I I think I think. With my latest book, for instance, or my, this particular novel, *The Secret Lives of Dentists*, um, there, there, there is a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty uh, at the end uh, regarding the, uh, the, uh, the 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 guilt or innocence of of this doctor uh, Rose, this dentist that I uh, that I feature in here. Um, there are plenty of other persons of interest in this book, and it's fun to hear people who have read this kind of speculate in front of me. Well, I think it was the driver, or I can't, you know, I think I think it was the reporter. And I'm saying, no, no, it's not the reporter, you know. Uh, but it's it's uh, uh, you don't really know. You don't you don't really know, and I like that in books. I like having I like having it open-ended on the end. I mean, I, I think you, there's certainly enough information to draw conclusions, and I think readers will do that and do do that. Um, but even I, I, I was just talking about a nonfiction book I, I, uh, I published about seven, eight, eight, nine years ago called uh, Stolen from the Garden, which is about a, uh, what at the time was the uh, largest kidnapping for ransom in FBI history. It was a million-dollar ransom that uh, that was coerced out of a wealthy couple here in the Twin Cities back in 1972. And two men were eventually, after a long manhunt and, and investigation, were eventually tried, but they were ultimately acquitted. And only a couple of thousand of the million-dollar ransom was ever recovered. So it's also been called the most successful kidnapping in American history, and it just might be that. 
And I speculate at the end as to who it might be. I don't believe it was the two guys who were acquitted. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me for a lot of reasons. But, you know, those books are, to me, are fascinating because they keep the reader wondering. And if it's powerful enough, maybe keep that reader uh, awake at night. Now, coming from a nonfiction and journalistic background, did you find it natural to write fiction, or did you find it a difficult transition? No, I didn't feel it, find it difficult at all. That's a good question. But uh, I've not only been reading all my life, I've been making up stories all my life. It's just that I put most of my emphasis on journalism until a couple of years ago. Um, I would make up stories as a kid involving my electric train set and the, <laughs> the little town I built around that train set. And I had I had good guys and bad guys. I, I didn't have sex in it yet, but, you know, I was only <laughs> six years old. That would, that would have to wait a little bit. But, uh, yeah. you know, there, there was drama. There was drama. And, and uh, I loved making up stories. I liked reading stories, and I liked making them up, too. So... That part wasn't difficult, and the research that even that even a, a novel requires, or at least my novels require. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a skillful researcher. I've been doing it for a long time as a journalist, and and so, you know, the the, the information, the data you need, not to not to to provide documentary proof of something you're writing about, but to provide some verisimilitude so the reader will at least feel, oh yeah, that makes I yeah, I can see that happening. And 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 to make the connections, uh I, I I'm very very interested in in bringing Minneapolis uh from the time I grew up in it uh to life. Uh sometimes uh, with references to real places but but at least to suggest a spirit and a and a language and and the the uh, the tensions uh, derived from or evolving from from uh, uh, cultural and ethnic differences religious differences and all of that uh, that interests me a lot and and uh, so I do that kind of research I do that kind of thought but no I I've I've had no no difficulty moving between them. Maybe that's another good reason to have a pen name, so I don't get too confused. <laughs> you know what, I think, it, I think it's important because um, I find journalists or people that were actually in the field writing news stories um, know what it takes to actually go out and, and find what they need, like to do the research. Um, yeah. A lot of people that don't have that experience tend to do everything. There's no primary source in their in their work. It's all secondary yeah. through through the internet, which is you know fine yeah. for just talking, but not actually reporting. Um, yeah. And I see that as a big problem nowadays. People um, tend to to shy away from any sort any sort of real established media, thinking that it's all you know, whatever, conspiracy or, or fake news or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But, but, but there's nothing like being a journalist living in a city and an event happens and you go out and you talk to the people, you see them, you see the place, yeah. you know the events, and you can write about it like nobody else yeah. can. 
just over the internet. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I've I've written a lot. I, I've written a lot of magazine stories, as they say. I was a, I was a long form journalist for many years, and and uh, so I really got to know a lot of cops and a lot of prosecutors and a lot of uh, defense attorneys. And uh, you know, you you just you kind of learn how they talk and how they think, and all of that I think just makes a much richer. Can you hear my dog? A much uh, richer and <laughs> uh, a, a much richer um, uh, personality in your fiction. You know, there's just enough of the real thing, as you say, to to uh, so the reader can make that connection between the fictional character and maybe a cop that he's known. You know, the the, the defense attorney that he's uh, that he's dealt with over the years. So. Yeah, I think it's all connected. And uh, uh, when I was a journalist, I was uh, when I was writing magazine stories, I would some somebody, more than one person said, "Well, he builds a, a a novelist pretending to be a journalist, or maybe it was he's a journalist pretending to be a novelist." It was one of the two because my long form stories, I tried to always make very. Um, uh, novelistic or cinematic, if we want to jump genres here, you know, the, something that you could see and and uh, and uh, and hear and, and try to feel. I didn't always succeed, but I sure tried at it. Yeah, Do you, it's interesting. So when you talk about the uh, setting, you know, the scene, the uh, place where it's written, um, are you writing the location as a, a character as well? Uh, I don't follow you there, Alan. Well, because uh, when you talk about uh, a location, like you go to sites in Minneapolis and stuff, and and that, do, do you include that in your fiction? Do you make kind of the the location very important, like a character? Well, I think it's important. It's important for me to to place myself in in those in those settings. Uh, I have a I have a big, you know, four by six foot. Uh, it's not that big, but it's big. Uh, map, street map of Minneapolis, circa 1950, and it, it's on the wall behind me here. And I'm always referring to it. Just do, well, now is Lindale East or West of Nicollet? You know, just just things like that that would be embarrassing, among other things, if I got if I got it wrong. But also just to kind of juice me up and think, yeah, I can see that. I've lived here. All my, I know that place. I know exactly where it is. Where the body is found in in this this poor young woman's body in in the secret lives of Dennis is uh, is on a, a former uh, trolley track right of way that's just a couple blocks from where I've been living now for the past forty five years with my family and uh, I I walk I walk the aforementioned dog uh, along that former trolley track all the time. And I can't help but walk down that that stretch without thinking, well, this is where Teresa's body was found. <laughs> I can see the. I can almost. I almost have to lift my feet so I don't trip over it. I mean, it it it, it becomes so vivid and so real in part because I know the location. I I, I know the shadows and I know the the lights from uh, from the uh, the few. Uh, um, street lamps that uh, that are in the area. Um, I know all that, and it just it just 
kind of becomes embedded in me, and then as I write, it's I, I hope it's vivid on the page as well. Well, so who is Teresa for you? Who is that character? Where does she come from? Well, that's an interesting story, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I can't tell it in in whole because uh, I would I would probably get in a lot of trouble here. But uh, most of the characters in this book, including Teresa, uh, are at least inspired by by real people, including a lot of people that I've known uh, over the years, and. Um, just aspects of it. That's the thing. You don't have to recreate this person. You don't have to redraw the, the biography of this individual. It might just be a smile, or it might just be a, a, a tone of voice or, or, or an expression that, that he or she uses that in your mind, in the writer's mind, really, um, really creates the character. And names are extremely important to me. I, and, and the funny thing about that is I never puzzle over a name. Uh, it's one of the magics of writing fiction. The name comes to me, and I don't know where the hell it comes from. Uh, most of the time the names just pop out as I'm writing. And, again, I don't know how it happens, and I don't want to overthink it. But uh, uh, Terry, Teresa, I call her Terry. Um, uh, she's not a real person, but she is inspired. She's inspired by a historical person uh, who was, in fact, a young woman murdered by her dentist. Uh, in real life, it's a much more cut and dried case uh, than it is in my fiction. But. Uh, She's not the char- She's the character only in in form only. Uh, my Teresa is an entirely. She's entirely a creation of my imagination, based on a couple of recollections of a young woman who I knew a long time ago. And that's probably true with with a lot of my characters. I've got a cop, a detective, who's kind of a minor character. Uh, but I love the guy. Well, he, he's, in my mind, he's a dead ringer for a, a kid I grew up with back in the old neighborhood, you know, 50-plus years ago. And uh, uh, I, <laughs> I, I give him the same last name that he had then and uh, the same glossy pompadour that, uh, that he wore in the 50s. But he is, he is, he is my guy. That, the, the, real, the real guy was, was not a cop, and... Uh, this guy is, and, and those that's the only connection is, is the last name and, and this mental recollection I have of him. I haven't seen this, this guy for a long, long time, and I hope he reads the book and recognizes himself. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Where do, where do, or, yeah, you, think, well, you never know, right? I hope, yeah, yeah. Whenever you have a bad character, a character that's a killer, or a character that's mm-hmm. kind of no, kind of evil, um, how do you come up with that character? Is that from someone you've seen or someone you've met, or oh, sure. just is that inspired as well? Well, it's it's yeah. Most of those are inspired by by. I mean, to find to 
to find bad people is is not very difficult, you know. Just read read the paper this morning, you know, and and there's there's plenty of archetypes. And uh, no, I don't. That's that's not an issue. And and I, I, you know, I was brought up in kind of a conservative Lutheran home, so I have no trouble uh, with the with the concept of 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 sin and and evil, even even though I don't believe in any of that now. But the the uh, uh, the idea of, of, of having bad people out there, people whose, whose acts may be inexplicable, but the, the, the... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The, the result, uh, the outcome is is horrible for somebody else. Uh, I mean, we, we've got plenty of people like that, and my my the the, the, the bad people in my in my uh, fiction, I've written about real murders too in my nonfiction, but the bad people in my fiction tend to be people who. They're bad because they're liars, among other things. They're liars and they're cheaters. And then I have a couple of legitimate creeps who are, you know, who, who are, are sexual predators and, uh, you know, are just the kind of people you don't want your daughter to ever encounter, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, uh, they, they just appear. I don't, I don't have, I never search for anybody. I'm never, the research I do tends to be physical research. You know, what, what was on the corner back in 1955 there? Or what, what was, where was the airport then? And, you know, that, that sort of thing. It, it's never about the people. The people are, 
the good people and the bad people and the people in between, which is most of us, uh, we're, we're pretty much the same. And if this book had been set in 1855 instead of 1955, I would probably tell you the same thing. It, it's it's the setting that that changes, uh, not not the people, not the character. 1955. Like what what was it you wanted to um, get or present in a story that included it to be in 1955? Well, I wanted I wanted my my childhood. I wanted my I wanted many. I was 10 years old in 1955. Yeah, do the math. You've got the numbers here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I was intrigued by what I was reading in the paper then, and I was intrigued by the way, by cars, for instance. Uh, I was never a real gearhead, but I sure was fascinated by cars, and and uh, that were most of my contemporaries back in those days. Because every every year there would be a new model. And it was just a, a tremendous uh, excitement when the new model Chevrolet would would hit the streets. And so I I, I just I find that period very interesting. Uh, on the one hand, it seems uh, certainly in retrospect to be uh, to be to, to be a time of kind of innocence. Now that oh my too, because <laughs> there was nothing innocent about it, as we all know. Um, but we kind of tell ourselves that, and uh, yet somewhere in my in my uh, bones, even as a kid, I was a, I was aware of of something frightening and something uh, really distressing beneath all the pleasantness. And, and Minneapolis has been a, is a very pleasant place, at least it has been until recently. Uh, it's very pretty, and, and the long winters notwithstanding, it's it's just a, it's just been a great place to to live and grow up and raise kids and so forth. But there's always been this sense of of again, I don't use the word evil, but this sense of 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 darkness, of threat uh, that I was aware of even as a little kid, going downtown with my big brother to watch a basketball game. And, and at night, and then coming out of the arena and seeing all the neon and all the the bright lights and and all the people on the streets who, you know, were were kind of reflecting all kinds of different things going on. You know, there was some threatening-looking people, and and uh, to me, that just that era, that 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 era of the fifties, uh, just offers still does uh, tremendous dramatic possibilities um, my, my imagination is just it's just like getting a shot you know I mean I'm just uh, it just pumps me up when I think about that about that period and in the, the late 40s too I, anytime between say 19 the, the end of World War two and in the early the early 60s uh, when I was kind of wising up a little bit uh, because I was innocent then and yet had this 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 creeping sense of of darkness and, and evil and uh, uh, yeah just 
just kind of strangeness that that still uh, intrigues me. Well, I was wondering in in the uh, in the beginning of the book, um, some of the language is maybe a little bit non PC, which totally works in context to the time, and yeah. it, it, it's it's excellent. And I was just wondering, um, did you? Publishers seem a little bit skittish today. Did you have yeah. trouble with publishers um, wanting to take on the book because of that, or well, not they... that. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, not not that I know of. I mean, you know, you, you don't. If somebody turns you down, you're not really. You don't always get an explanation for why it was turned down. Um, I sent out some queries about this book to various publishers. Um, but then I, I sent the completed manuscript to uh, to Seventh uh, Street Books in New York, uh, which specializes in crime fiction, and they just bought it without question. They like, and they they have since bought my second one, uh, a, a second one uh, that will come out next year. I I'm, I, I, I believe it's great. And no, there isn't that. I I don't. I mean, this book is full of. Uh, Somebody asked me what my family thinks of <laughs> of my of my fiction, and you know, I, I've got the the my my wife and kids they love it, but of course they have to say that, right? <laughs> my 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 siblings and 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 cousins and nephews and nieces, of which I I have thousands, uh, many of them are are very devout religious people, and they're just. If they read it at all, they're just going to be they're they're just going to be uh, outraged. And uh, <laughs> but you know that's the way it is. I, I I write books. I write the kind of books I like to read. And and two of my my more than that, my writing heroes include Elmore Leonard and and George V Higgins, who in my in my mind have written the greatest crime fiction ever and Absolutely. you know their their language is pretty rough too and and uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if they're as sexual as i am as, as graphic <laughs> but uh, uh, i find sex just extremely interesting and again maybe that has something to do with my conservative background but um i like to read about sex and i like to write about sex and i think it is underwritten about or it's not written about very well there's some great prose describing, uh, in the most graphic terms, violence of all sorts. You know, combat stories and, and mm. homicide stories and so forth. But it's people have trouble writing about sex, and um, uh, it is difficult to write about. But I think it's you know why would you ignore that? Why would you think that that's any less important for most of us than than violence. Most of us deal with sex far more often than we deal with any violence. Uh, thank God. True. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think there's a lot of people that are scared of it. A lot of people think of it as as something bad. Sex, sex, like any other uh, uh, human endeavor, uh, is used for good or ill. And, and uh, mm. uh, but and certainly in my books, uh, sex is not always. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the man, the man and the wife here. You know, and uh, under the under the laws of of God, it, you know, these are adulterers and these are, 
these are uh, creepy people who, uh, you know, in, in whose hands sex is, is a, either a shameful thing or, 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 or downright criminal. Well, it's interesting. Do you, do you find that uh, you've written true crime and so nonfiction and now you're writing crime fiction? Do you have a, a particular thing you want people to get out of your book when, when they read it? And is it different than your true crime? Um, you know, that's another good question, and it's a good question because it's almost impossible to answer. Uh, I want people to enjoy my books, and enjoy is a funny word when you're writing about the subjects that I'm, <laughs> you know, but I, I, w I want them to sit down with a book and say, wow, this is a hell of a story. This, this guy can, this guy can tell a, an interesting story. Uh, that's what I want out of them. I, I want them to say, boy, that's, you know, that's worth the, the, the 19 bucks I'm, I'm, I'm paying for this. Or, you know, I, uh, they don't, you know, they don't have to, enjoy it in the sense that that you enjoy you know some of the some of the less graph they would just find it you know an interesting way to uh to uh to spend a few hours that's that's what i'm looking for and that's true with both mm -hmm. fiction and nonfiction. you know it's it's the same thing you know the the nonfiction i've i've written generally has has been about stuff that has been well covered in the papers and and on television. I mean, these are these are very high profile crime cases that I've written about. In some cases, internationally uh, known. Um, so I, I don't. I'm not really educating anybody, and I have no interest in educating anybody. If I wanted to be an educator, I would I would have taught for a living, and I that's the last thing I want to do. Uh, but I want to entertain people. I want to, I want to tell a good story. That's all I want. Well, and it's interesting. I think plus when you write in the fifties, um, I think we kind of depend, and we know how people act and react. We know how they behaved. We knew the mannerisms, mm -hmm. and what we could rely on. I don't know if you can do that so much today. But maybe I'm off. But I, I don't know that you could. You mean in terms of of the material, or in how we write about it, or, or what? What are you? What are you More the material. Of? Like I, I don't. I think there's a lot of things that we've learned about, let's say, policing and mm -hmm. about the ju justice system, and we see it. We're we're inundated. We have way overload of information, and mm -hmm. to try and figure out how people act and react, there's no unity in a, in our in the way we police anymore. Right. Yeah, you know, and I. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, back in the fifties, I think it was it was a much. Um, they told the line. Um, that everybody was in sync, sort of, whether it's right or wrong. But they they all sort of did things the way they did it. Well, yes, the you know police tended to be heroes, at least in the white community, and and. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I wrote a book about the assassination of a white police officer in St. Paul in 1970 that um, resulted in a 35-year-long investigation and finally the conviction of a couple of, of black guys. And it was, it was a very uh, disturbing story to research because I was learning things about the way black community 
here in the Twin Cities, which has always been relatively small, um, uh, what was perceived and, and was was treated by by the white, mainly white police, and it was just um, uh, it, it was really disheartening, and uh, because you you want to think better of your city, you want to think better of the authorities. Uh, I mean, I grew up thinking that you respect the law and that you you respect police officers and and uh, and firefighters and those people who are who are operating uh, for our welfare and uh, and, uh, and and then you know one of the hard things about growing up is learning that uh, uh, it's not always as clear-cut as you as you think it as you think it is and so um, my cops, my cops, my fictional cops, are also influenced by World War II. A lot of them had served in the war, in combat. My my lead detective here, Arnie Anderson, was was an infantryman in in Europe and uh, was uh, was part of the the rescue of Bastogne uh, during the Battle of the Bulge, and. You can see, I hope, why he is the way he is today because of that combat experience 10 years earlier. And so that's a big influence on my cops. My cops are, are rough guys. They don't mind whacking somebody, uh, knocking them upside the head, just kind of, as one, as one cop said, just on general principle. You know, this guy is kind of a low life. So no low life, they hadn't. They haven't accused him of any crime, but he just kind of pissed them off the way he his attitude. And so when they're leaving, uh, one of them just smacks the guy in the face and knocks him over and bloodies his nose, and and nobody thinks twice about it. Uh, that cops got away with that a lot back in the day, and were were rarely challenged. Once in a while, someone would uh, would raise a stink about it, and maybe the cop would be suspended for a couple of months. But uh, to my knowledge, there was very little cases where the, I can think of none here, where a police officer was actually brought up on charges and, and, uh, and uh, you know, convicted of a crime. Do you find it difficult writing about uh, a lot of these crimes and the way police deal with crimes nowadays? Are, are following it now because you've seen so many changes over the years, mm -hmm. right? You've yeah. seen it go from back then till now. Yeah. And um, is, it, is it harder for you to write something n nowadays than it was? I don't think so. And, and, and you know, remember, I'm not writing much uh, about current activities, current crimes. And I, I have some of that. Um, but... Uh, Maybe that's one of the reasons I kind of hark back to the fifties because it it's not necessarily easier, but it's 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 maybe a little bit more uh, black and white. Pardon the expression, uh, uh, and therefore easier to dramatize. I guess that's that's the way to put it. So so now your book, The Secret Lives of Dentists. What made you choose that title? What made you kind of do this? Well, because my inspiration was not only uh, the, the case I had mentioned uh, that I that I grew up reading about in the in the Minneapolis Tribune, 
there was also a, a very interesting uh, uh, long-form magazine article in Harper's Magazine in 1982 by a fine writer named David Owen. And it was called The Secret Lives of Dentists. And it was one of the most interesting uh, magazine stories I had ever read up to that point. And I, I just, I, I cut it out and I saved it. And and it, and it it told about these, you know, the private lives of dentists and how how you how you live with the fact that everybody in the world hates you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody nobody <laughs> likes a dentist. At least they didn't back in those days. Now they've got all these techniques now where you go to the dentist and it's probably a woman and you know, you're you've got music and you've got you know, it's it's not scary anymore. Well when I was a kid in the fifties it was scary as hell and, and people would kids would go to great lengths to avoid dentists. And this 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 story by David Owen suggestion was as well. Yeah, how would how would you feel about life if you realized that everybody hated you? You know, you spend your life with your with your fingers in somebody else's mouth, and uh, and and nobody wants to go see you. So uh, that that stuck with me, and I thought, you know, I I haven't read any fiction uh, about you know where a dentist has been the protagonist or at least one of the main characters. I know there was a movie out about 20 years ago called The Secret Lives of Dennis, and I'm sure it was awful, just uh, having having seen the trailer. But I never saw the whole thing. You know, it's one of those dumbass rom-com or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I love the title, though, because, and I thought, you know, I told my wife, well, if nothing else, uh, every dentist's wife in the country is going to buy this book. You know, she <laughs> know what those secrets are. No, anyway, that's not, I'm being silly here, but that's uh, I, I just was kind of intrigued by that title that I stole from David Owen, and I thought it worked well with the with the difficulties that a uh, that a Jewish dentist would have in a in a town that uh, that not too much earlier had been considered the anti-Semitic uh, capital of the United States. So um, that combination, you know. Um, what the, the difficulty of a Jewish dentist being accused and tried for the murder of a of a, of a young white woman, um, a young uh, Gentile woman, uh, that 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 could really add to the drama of this. But yeah, you just need it to make him gay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, see. You know that's a that's a good point, and that's something that probably wouldn't have worked very well in you know in, said in the fifties, when 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 you know right. people were just you didn't know they were gay, or or maybe you suspect, and of course you didn't even use the word gay. There's a couple of references in my books, and you talk about you know being non-PC to uh, <laughs> to queers and and fags and, and stuff because that's the way they talked in those yeah. days. Uh, you know that's yeah. that was the language, and uh, you know as 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 loathsome as oh my and, and some of the uh, the ethnic uh, uh, references that was just part of the part of the dialogue in those days. So that's in the book too, and uh, um, there there is a there is one reference to uh, homosexual sex, uh, but very brief. The the, the the, the two uh, apparent homosexuals at that point are just very minor characters, and, and the major 
uh, involvement uh, were, you know, were were people who were engaged in, in heterosexual activities if they were involved in sex at all. So do you have a website or a place that you'd like people to come and uh, find you and find out about your books? Yes. Nice of you to offer that. It is, uh, it is W.A. Winter Books, all one word, no punctuation, W.A. Winter Books dot com. And that'll take you to my Perfect. website, and that'll have all my books, fiction and nonfiction. Not like there are that many, but great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have that up on our website as well, and we don't worry about the punctuation because most of our readers can't. Read. <laughs> no, um, are we off the air here, it's, Alan? It's I mean, been a real, <laughs> no, no, no. That's how I. Do. Um, but it's been it's been a real pleasure, um, and I'm glad you came on the show. Uh, the book is called "The Secret Lives of Dentists." Like we have. Enough to be scared of yeah. already, but now you've got a, a horrifying right. book here. No, it's, and our guest is W.A. Winter, so I want to thank you for being well, here. Well, thank you very much for having me. That's uh, great questions, and uh, I, I enjoyed our conversation very much. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www. HouseOfMystery.com Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.